leaders. We pose the problems of human beings in their relations with the world. Change. Liberation is a praxis of action to reflection upon the world. Welcome to the pedagogy of the obsessed. My name is Adriana Chavarin Lopez, and I will be your host as we discuss the sustainability of the school leader. When I was a principal, it felt like trauma and stress were constantly present in my life. There were, of course, the regular stressors that came with the job, such as the ever-increasing demands for accountability, reports that had to be completed, staff evaluations, evening school events, school board meetings, principal meetings, the list went on and on. But the events that truly affected my core as a school leader, the events that stayed with me for years were those based in trauma. There were the times when I had to listen to a student tell me about the physical or sexual abuse that was occurring at home, or the times when I had to deliver the news that one of our staff members was critically ill. There were also the times when I had to speak to a large crowd of visibly upset parents about an incident that had occurred at school. Of course, there were also those events that involved violence and may have led to a lockdown at our school, and the whole time you have to ensure that your students and staff are safe while dealing with law enforcement and nervous parents. In all of these events, I always found myself taking care of others. What I never did was to stop and take time to reflect on how these events affected me. I felt there was no time to do this and school kept going on. There was never a pause. But the toll of the stress and trauma would catch up with me and it began to affect my health, relationships, and my productivity. The job of the school leader is already a lonely one, which is why I value the times when I could meet with my colleagues to discuss the work and whether or not we felt we could get it all done. Although the topic of our sustainability as school principals was common in the informal setting, this topic was rarely brought up in our conversations with the superintendent. As I began to research the topic for this podcast, I found that little research had been done in the area of the sustainability of the school leader, which made me begin to wonder, why wasn't this conversation more in the mainstream? How is a growing stress and trauma experienced by current school administrators contributing to school administrator shortages? Was the stress localized or could school administrators across the country identify with it? And if it was a widespread experience, was it time to restructure the role of the school leader? To answer these and other questions, I spoke to Dr. Deborah Jewell Sherman, the Gregory R. Anrick Professor of Practice in Educational Leadership at Harvard University, and to a panel of former school administrators from across the country that are now doctoral students at Harvard University's Graduate School of Education. Here are their stories. I am here with Professor Deborah Joel Sherman, who is a Gregory R. Anrig Professor of Education Leadership at the Graduate School of Education here at Harvard University. So thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. So in researching for this topic on the school leader sustainability, 
I'm having a really difficult time finding anything that's related to that in terms of research that has been completed. With that in mind, in terms of how there really isn't a lot of research on that, why do you think that might be? I think that all of us who are school leaders, whether at the school level or the district level, have prepared ourselves both uh, with an array of technical and even adaptive skills in addition to our instructional knowledge to be able to do the work. But we don't do the work in a vacuum. You lead a school or a district in a very real political context, in a context where everyone has gone to school, therefore everyone has an opinion about how and why you should do what it is that you're trying to do. There aren't clear benchmarks for what success looks like. And so it's a very unsettled, constantly changing environment in which you do your work. So regardless of how well you've prepared for the work and how much you can control to a degree the immediate context, you're in a system that isn't always supportive of your efforts, doesn't always value what you value. Uh, Leaders who I admire are leaders who are determined that students will be held to a standard of excellence and they will use equity as the means to get there, meaning every child will be given what he or she needs to be excellent. That's not how the world always measures whether or not you're successful. The stress on someone who has to be internally focused and externally focused is great. I think that that's one of the main reasons why people decide, you know what, I don't need to work this hard. And for those efforts to be so misunderstood, it's just hard to control the environment in which you you work. You have far more control in the classroom. And I don't mean control as in being a megalomaniac. It's, Mm -hmm. It's trying to ensure that the context of your work is supportive of your work. And you can better do that in the classroom than you can in a school or in a district. I was a principal in the 80s, throughout the 80s, and that's pre-No Child Left Behind. Mm -hmm. It's pre-a focus on testing and assessments and results. I don't mean that we weren't held accountable, but there was greater flexibility in the work. Uh, you could focus on the needs of the whole child, even though that's not a term of art that we necessarily used. I found being a principal in the 80s to be just about the best job that I've had in my career, which I don't think that principals would say necessarily today. So in class, uh, you have mentioned to us that education leadership is not about a sprint, but rather it's about completing the marathon. And so in your experience as a school and as a district leader, what were some of the things that you did to sustain yourself through this marathon of education leadership? So great question. As a principal, I did a much better job. I found being able to work with teachers, you know, for their team leaders meetings that weren't only focused on test scores as they so often are now, but really talking about instruction and serving as a coach in their practice and being able to go into classrooms very often to see how the learning was going. All of that I found incredibly sustaining and uplifting. Working with parents. I mean, there was a rhythm to my day that 
had at its core quality teaching learning with a focus on excellence and equity, but it was also relational. It was also getting to know students and families in profound ways, getting to know my teachers so that I could be there for them and help them become better at their craft. So I felt sustained in the work. As a district leader, there was not a lot about the day-to-day work that was affirming or sustaining. I don't mean that it wasn't important. It was really important. But you never got to smell the roses. <laughs> you know, if you, you were more focused on putting out fires, uh, keeping those things that took the district off task to the side so that the critical work at the school level and the classroom level could take place. Far more political always negotiating, always working to garner additional social and political capital so that I could continue to move the needle where I needed to to move it, always trying to gain greater credibility with varied stakeholders so that they wouldn't distract the district from its mission. I needed to have done more to take care of myself. I had a phenomenal husband who understood the work and I also always had a dog. And so I see those two ingredients, in addition to children, if you have. You have to find things that keep you centered on the work because there's no greater work. If I had it to do over again, I would be in a gym every morning or you know, three days a week before I went to school to work mm-hmm. because it takes a toll on you physically. It takes a toll on you emotionally. You are constantly giving. That's your job. If you don't find ways in which to be sustained, as in you keep filling your own psychic, mm-hmm. emotional, and physical self, then you won't be able to stay in the role very long. So doing whatever, dancing, mm-hmm. bowling, because I think that every superintendent I know has hypertension. It's not a good thing. It's an indicator of the amount of stress you're carrying. So finding ways to deal with that stress, recognizing that as important as your job is, there are more things There are things that are more important, like doing the right thing, Mm -hmm. even if it's not always appreciated. Being there for your family and loved ones, because ultimately, whether you're employed or unemployed, they're going to love you. (laughs) (laughs) We have been talking about policy and school leader preparation programs in some of our classes. What elements do you think would need to be in place by the district superintendent and perhaps even the school board? to sustain school leadership? I think the first thing is to get a clear understanding of how complex the work is so that you better understand the job that they're doing on a daily basis. I believe that once you recognize, A, how important the work is that a school leader is taking on every day, and B, how complex it is, then you'll be willing to think of ways that you can simplify those non-essential things ours. Uh, For example, we really listened to our principals and got them to tell us the non-essential things that they were doing that were taking up a disproportionate amount of their time. That was our mindset. What is it that we can do centrally to simplify your life? Another was to take our instructional department and divide it up into interdepartmental teams that supported the work in schools so that their role no longer was to determine whether or not you were in compliance, but rather to serve as part of that thinking team 
to be held equally accountable for what happened in schools. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing when they are part of the evaluation, how much they are willing to be supportive of the day-to-day ops. I think the third thing that we did well, and there were lots of things we didn't do well, but to demonstrate in an ongoing way just how much school leadership is appreciated. I found that at the principals' meetings, recognizing excellence at the start, uh, excellence in effort as well as outcome, changed the culture. This was critical. I realized coming in that what I did as a superintendent with my principals, they in turn did with their teams. It was a powerful message. If I had started a meeting by saying, I just got chewed out at the board meeting and you all aren't doing what you said, that would have been how many would have started their meetings back. So it was a way that I believe that we were effective in changing culture. Just letting them know, I've been there, I get it. What can I do to help? I remember once getting a call from one of my principals saying that there was a political conundrum that she thought might blow up. And so she wanted to give me a heads up and she talked about the problem. And I said, I have a meeting tonight. Can I stop by? My district had 30 some thousand students. So it was small enough for me to be able to do that. And going to that school and sitting with her, helping her problem solve. It's what I did for her. It's one of, I'm really proud of having done that. But it's also the message then that goes out to the system. When you get into difficulty, if you're doing the right thing, you're going to be supported. If you've made a mistake, you're not going to be crucified. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, principals wanted to stay, because they felt appreciated. Persons in the middle Mm -hmm. that keep the organization viable are school leaders. Mm -hmm. It's not that teachers aren't critically important, they are, but school leaders make the difference. Mm -hmm. So finding ways to let them know that we know that Mm -hmm. is so important. I found that one out of every two principals is not retained beyond their third year of leading a school. School leaders who are retiring within the education sector are not being replaced by enough qualified candidates. The demand for employment of school principals will grow 6% nationwide by the year 2022. Many school districts across the country report principal shortages and a serious lack of qualified applicants to replace them. This shortage requires immediate attention and careful long-term planning. Okay, so today we are here with a panel of Harvard Graduate School of Education doctoral students who up until about four months ago were all school side uh, principals or were working with principal leadership. And so I am going to let them introduce themselves and let you know what they were doing. I'm James Mercer. I was a middle school principal in the Atlanta metro area. I'm Stefan Lallinger. For the last four years, I was the principal of Langston Hughes Academy Middle School in New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm David Baez, and before coming to Harvard EDLD, I was a principal of a middle school in East Harlem, New York. Hi, I'm Bonnie Lowe from San Francisco, where I was Director of Principal Leadership and Support. Thank you to all of you for being here. I have a couple of questions for you in terms of principal sustainability or school leader sustainability. And the first one, it's a quote. I took it from Education Week from one of the few articles that I actually did find on school leader sustainability. Quote is, when business leaders burn out, the business can fail. 
When educational leaders burn out, students can fail. The cost of burnout is high. So I wanted to know what your thoughts on this quote are. Does having a leader who is running on empty affect student achievement? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this quote, it speaks to me. I felt definitely before coming to the program I was burning out, and I knew leaders around me who were burning out. Just the community I was in, in East Harlem, it was, especially my school community, it was high needs, high poverty neighborhood. And I had 40% of students coming to me with IEPs in my middle school, and also just not a lot of support. It was a public school. And I thought we were doing great. You know, we're doing awesome work, but it takes its toll. The long hours, I was spending more time at school than than home or spending more time talking with family, students, staff members than loved ones in my life. Not that I didn't love them, but, you know, how as I was starting to kind of burn out, I was making mistakes, others were making mistakes, things would kind of get under the radar. Like it wasn't on my radar or things like things were kind of slipping through the cracks. Mistakes can really have an impact on students and families in their lives. The burnout does impact sort of directly the leader, how the leader's doing, and then how the school and the students. The statistics really sort of back up this quote. I think based on a lot of the statistics you see, it seems as though the average tenure for a principal is between three and five years, and even lower if you're talking about urban schools. As principal for four years, I sort of fit that exact mold and can also affirm that burnout is very real. For me, there's really three interesting things to think about and and look at when it comes to principal burnout. The first is whether or not the job itself, because the job is so all-encompassing, attracts a particular kind of leader. Does it attract the person who is going to sprint full force and throw everything they have into it because they know the stakes are so high for kids at the end of the day? And so does, does that kind of person then ultimately burn themselves out? And what are compensatory mechanisms we could put in? The second thing that I think is interesting to look at is whether or not we structure the job in a way that makes sense or makes makes sense at least from the standpoint of preventing burnout. I think when you compare what principals do in this country to what they do in other countries, there are some, some interesting things to look at there. And then the third thing that I really want to emphasize is I don't think that the burden is actually spread evenly throughout the country. I do think that there are places and schools where it is probably more sustainable to be a principal than others. You know, it's harder to be the principal of a a school of 1,400 children than it is of 200. It's harder to be the principal of a school where there's extremely high need than schools where there isn't as much need. And so I think that the burden is not necessarily evenly distributed. And so I absolutely believe the quote, and I think that there are a lot of facets to it. As a leader of a school, your job is to be the biggest champion for those children, to go and fight for what they need to be successful. And if the leader is burned out, that's just not going to be possible and it will have a trickle down effect on the students. So it's absolutely critical for leaders to take care of themselves so that they can continue to be that bright spot in the lives of not only the the children, but also the staff who work very closely with those children each and every day. I want to go back to something that Stefan touched on and uh, because it, it made me think when I was a principal as well that the school leader job is a very lonely job. And and Stefan, you said something about it's the way that the job is structured that does not allow for the leader to be sustained. And so I just wanted to know what are your thoughts on how the job could be restructured if there is a need to restructure it so that we could help to increase the leader's sustainability. I don't think that 100% of the answer lies in restructuring the job, but there are some interesting things to consider. If you look at the big hats that principals have to wear, 
typically we ask principals to handle all of the administrative things. In addition to that, we ask principals to be the cultural leaders of their building for their staffs and for their kids. And then increasingly, over the last few decades, we've really hammered home this idea of the principal as the instructional leader of the building. We want principals to be in classrooms, to give feedback, to lead the instructional vision. And in my experience, you typically find principals who are good at one out of those three of those things, maybe two out of the three of those things. But you still find folks who are able to be tremendously effective because they know that they have to put people around them who can do the things that they are not good at. And so I think part of it is simply being realistic about the fact that you can't ask a principal to be in every teacher's classroom twice a week for the duration of the school year, be at every single district meeting, handle all of the administrative things that come up, meet with every single parent who comes up to the building, handle student discipline issues. And so the question really is, I'm not one who says that there's one model for what a principal has to be. I just think we need to define it more narrowly and then make sure that the principal is able to put people around him or herself that compensate for the weaknesses of the leader, or maybe not even the weaknesses, the, the areas that the leader is not focusing on. I think definitely looking at how to resource schools. I know some schools that just have the principal as the head in charge of all these different responsibilities. And I was thinking of Tony Bright's framework um, in terms of leaderships and the essentials for leaderships. And that goes with uh, similarly to what Stefan was saying with uh, the operations part of, of facilities and logistics and budget. And the second uh, leadership competency being instructional. And we are asking our principals to be the leaders and have expertise. And that in itself is a really heavy lift. And in addition to that, there's the inclusive and facilitative work that we do with uh, working with families, working with community partnerships, working with the neighborhood politics sometimes involved with that as well, increasing funds on our, by ourselves from our sites. And so we really have to relook how we're resourcing schools and what human capital is there and who can take care of those different pieces. I mentioned to you that I found very little articles on school leader sustainability and, and the few that I did find were about trauma-informed leadership, but it was more from the perspective of the leader helping to guide the community through a trauma-dealing process. And there is hardly any mention of who will take care of the school leader's own trauma when they have to go through that process. What were some of the things that you did to sustain yourself as a school leader? I compartmentalized a lot. There were definitely moments that were, were tough, that were hard, and just emotionally draining. When I leave work, like I needed to kind of take off the principal uniform, check out, and reflect, but like manage like a different space because the job is so demanding and emotionally taxing that I, if I if I let it bleed over into my personal life, like I think I would have been toast and I would have burned out much quicker. It, it started with an understanding with my wife of what my new role at the time would entail. Gratefully and thankfully, I'm married to an educator, so she understood firsthand uh, what that would look like. Uh, it also involved quite a few nights where my wife and son would actually come out to the school where I was the principal just to have some sense of family while, while working, uh, whether that was staying for some after-school program or burning the midnight oil to get some report done. Just having that support of my family was, uh, was critical in being successful in that role. Also, just a real intentional focus on protecting family time 
and knowing that when I was home, we have some time carved out to talk about, kind of debrief the day, but then the rest of the time is spent focusing on family, the moment right here, right now, the love that is within my, my four walls at home. And that was, uh, was, was, you know, kind of a critical element in being able to sustain that pace. I have a couple pieces of, sort of advice on this front. The first is during the school day, there has to be something during the school day that sustains you because the feeling that I had, which I think a lot of principals have, is the moment you step in the door to the moment that you step out of the door, you are 100% on. And that feeling of being 100% on all the time gets extremely draining. For me, what sustained me when I was at school is kindergarten recess. I mean, it's literally the most joyful time that you can imagine. I would either go into pre-K or I'd go into kindergarten, and I would spend 10 minutes hanging out with my four- and five-year-old friends. And that energized me for the rest of the day. So you have to have something during the day because you're on the entire rest of the time. As far as outside of school, very early on in my principalship, I uh, sought the uh, camaraderie of other principals, but learned very quickly that those other principals got together and their main activity was having a drink after work. Very quickly learned that you have to have an outlet, but it shouldn't be an, an unhealthy outlet and transformed that into just uh, going to work out or going to run whenever I was stressed or whenever I needed a break after work. So I can't emphasize enough, you need an outlet. And then finally, the importance of sustaining relationships outside of the work, which is what I alluded to at the beginning. And getting married and devoting myself to somebody else really put that into perspective for me because it wasn't just self-sacrifice anymore, staying the really long hours. I was now potentially sacrificing the relationship I had with my wife, and that was too important for me to not make some changes in the way that I work. So I think sustaining relationships outside of work are highly important for principals to develop and maintain. I was thinking about, you know, being the principal and dealing with great loss in the school or a lot of challenges, a lot of tension, trauma, and trying to get educators of work all together. I was remembering that I didn't cry for maybe two, three years. I grew a thick skin. There was just a lot that you had to face and that you just became tough to it. And it wasn't until, you know, a few years after that I I, I revisited it and said, like, why aren't I able to cry? I realized that being a leader, you can't lose yourself and you can't lose your identity and who you are. Some of the things that have sustained self personally are uh, my faith, making sure that I'm in a support group network of women. We come together every other Monday and, and share. And also a network professionally as well. Who can you depend on and who can you call? What other principals or what other coaches or supervisors can you depend on to talk through some of those incidences? And then yourself, just physically, just making sure that you spend time to cultivate joy in your life as well and, and find that peace as well through through trauma we just have a new leader who has joined us so if you can introduce yourself i am cynthia rosario i am the former um, school leader of the hecate community charter school and founder in the south bronx last question in a couple of words if you could talk to your first year school leader self what advice would you give him or her to help them succeed as school leaders for the long run? I would first say get a coach immediately, right? Like I did not do that. And you, you really do need a thought partner. You need someone to give you that critical lens that no one else in the building is going to give you. And you need an outlet more than anything. So get a coach 
very early on. And then identify for yourself, like, what is it that you need to cultivate peace and joy? Know that up front. Name it, then claim it, because the school building is not going to burn down without you. Like, know that up front. I would say to myself, just be bold, be audacious, step outside the lines. You're not running a school for anybody else. You're running a school, the school that you know to be the best school for the kids you have in your building. And so don't be afraid to, to do it. It's funny that Sin mentions a coach because I was given a coach. Like that's what the New York City way you get a coach for your first year. But then like mine was awesome. And I like actually just met up with her on Saturday when I was back in New York. Because like we still have like I still see her as like such an essential part of like my growth and development, not only as a leader but just as like a person. But I would tell myself the first year, kind of like what's inside like the building will live without you, and then also like find something that you're gonna hold on to that's like sacred. You know, running or work, working out once a week, what something that's manageable but that's sacred that you're gonna do that's for you and no one else because. It's so easy to do this work when you have when you care about it so much to let it consume you and sticking with it. In that first year, you want to ask for help and don't be shy about it. So reach out and just ask for help. There's going to be a lot of things that you see at your school site that you may want to change. I would say focus on building that trust and relationship with people and making decisions, just empathy, getting the feet of your students, um, your teachers and your other educators, and never forget that you're a teacher. I would say as early as possible, connect with the children on a really in a really, really deep way so that they know that you're a human being and that you care about them. <laughs> and I would also say define success for yourself and write it down and refer to it as often as you need to because when the work gets really, really tough, sometimes you lose sight of that. I want to thank all of you for sharing your thoughts and advice and Best of luck to all of us as the future systems leaders now. Hopefully we, we learn from our lessons and listen to our own advice going forward. In the middle of recording this podcast, I ran into an article from the Huffington Post that posed the question, what if the teacher shortage is actually reflective of a leadership shortage? With the average tenure of a school leader or superintendent being three to four years, many teachers may experience two to three principals within their first six years of teaching. Without a consistent principle, the teachers have no one to turn to for support and coaching or to set an inspiring vision to help drive the work within the school community. School leaders are key to strategically recruit great teachers to provide them with the supports necessary so that the teachers can focus on the teaching and help to increase student achievement. But let's remember that this is a podcast about the school leader sustainability So we also need consistency for the superintendency so that superintendents can provide the same level of coaching and support to our school principals. In other words, this is about the need for an ongoing cycle of support at all levels of schooling to ensure that a transformational education is provided to all of our nation's students. As we heard from our panel members, many factors drive people away from the principalship. Principals are being asked to do more with less time and fewer resources. The expectations placed on principals by state and local policymakers, parents, and the public have reached epic heights. So what does this all mean for the future of the principalship? 
I believe that as a society, we can begin to implement changes to increase the sustainability of the school leader by introducing reform at the federal, state, and school district levels. At the federal and state level, we need to examine models of distributed leadership to make the principalship more manageable. We also need to increase funding for school leader development, training, mentoring, certification, and tenure systems. I also agree with the recommendation by the National Association for Secondary School Principals to develop a federal campaign that will promote the education profession and emphasize the principalship as a call to service that is central to the well-being of communities. While completely revamping the role of the principal may be impossible, as Suzette Lovely points out in the book, Staffing the Principalship, school districts need to understand the conditions that are driving their principals to leave and take steps to restructure the principal's duties. For example, a district can minimize the number of meetings for which principals are called away from their school sites so that they can have more time to attend to the needs of their own campuses. Easing attendance requirements at district events is also helpful. Finally, the superintendent might consider conducting a brainstorming session with principals to determine which duties are essential. Without the superintendent being part of this conversation, it will be impossible for the principals to determine which duties are politically acceptable to let go. Making some relatively easy adjustments to age-old practices minimizes the burnout of existing principals and can make the job more attractive to newcomers. Thank you for listening, and I hope that through this podcast, you have also been able to become obsessed with school leader sustainability. We pose the problems of human beings in their relations with the world. Knowledge emerges only through invention and reinvention, through the restless and patient continuing, hopeful inquiry human beings pursue in the world, with the world, and with each other. The solution is not to integrate them into the structure of oppression, but to transform that structure so that they become beings for themselves. Liberation is a practice of action and reflection on the world.